Father, we give all praise and all honor to you. Father, from the things that we see in nature and all creation to the way we see you working around us, you deserve all praise and all glory. And I pray that that would be our heart's cry by the time we leave this morning, if not already, that everything we do, we would do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. You may be seated. It is good to have all of you here today, and those of you online, thanks for checking in. Uh, this is an exciting week for us, and I want to, in, in particular, to get you uh, be sure and pray for us. We have a n- number of people going to Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a camp for abused and, and neglected kids, those in the foster care system. And uh, I think, Jamie, we have 48. Okay, it's changing as we speak. 48 kids, that last that I heard. And if you happen to be serving at Royal Family Kids Camp this week, will you please stand? <clears throat> keep, keep standing. And some of you need to turn around and look behind you. We've got a whole group behind you as well. I'd like you to make eye contact with the, the ones that are closest to you. And after we finish the service in a couple hours, uh, I would like for thank you. There's one amen. Uh, I'd like for you to make eye contact with someone and find them right after church. And, and those of you that are a royal family, I know you've got to hit the road quickly. We need to be there this afternoon. But I want you to stick around just for a second let people come to you and you share with them how they can best pray for you. It'll be a long week, but it is a week Uh, where Jesus shows up. These kids get a taste of heaven, and it's a privilege for us to be there. So let me pray for you, and uh, and then we'll uh, have people gather around you after after service and find out how best to pray for you. Father, I pray against the powers of darkness that do not want these children to hear the gospel, that do not want them to feel loved and valued and cared for and pursued and important. And Father, I pray that you would... Uh, that we would not lose one child in signing up. I pray that all those that sign up would show up. I pray that there would be even uh, some that come that we had not planned for. Give us energy, give us stamina. But Father, most of all, I pray that you would give us uh, the heart of Jesus so that these children will see how much you love them by the way that we treat them. And we commit the week to you and realize these are your children, not ours. And so we trust you with it and know that you love them and care about them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it should not be a surprise to you at all uh, as we t- frequently talk about uh, the, the purpose of our church is to help you to experience genuine faith. And when we talk about genuine faith, we talk about it being a faith that it just keeps growing and growing and growing. We're going to talk about what a, a follower of Jesus looks like, a disciple of Christ. <clears throat> We also talk about the importance of authentic relationships. Uh, I, I speak from personal experience. When I do not surround myself with people, I start thinking crazy thoughts. And if we're not careful, we can start thinking crazy thoughts. We need people around us who can support us, who can care for us, who can call us out when we need to be called out, who just stand alongside us. So authentic relationships is so important for us. And this fall, our hope is to have everybody who attends New Cove uh, in a group for a short term. And then meaningful impact. 
we don't just want to know God. Certainly, we want you to know God in the process of growing and all that, uh, and all that's meant to be. But we want you to make him known. And so before we read our passage in Colossians, I want to set us up because what we're going to read in Colossians is assuming that you are a devoted follower of Jesus Christ and you're growing in relationship with him. So hang on as we look at a couple of things here. Let me define uh, what a follower of Christ looks like. A follower of Christ is learning to walk in obedience to God awareness and understanding. Wow, what a phrase, right? Let alone. A follower of Jesus Christ is learning to walk in obedience to God awareness and understanding that becoming Christ-like comes only through self-denial and submission. Ouch. Most of us want to, to, to grow ourselves. And Jesus said, uh, John said in, in John 3.30, he said, I must become, he must become greater and greater and I must become lesser and lesser. But that's not what society says. But a follower of Christ is learning to realize that we're aware of God's uh, work around us and we're walking in obedience to that and realize that self-denial and submission is the norm. Let me give you another definition. A committed follower of Jesus Christ has passion for God and for the lost and it overflows and influences those around him or her. Wow. That, that alone, if you took a screenshot of that and let that be your prayer every day, is to say, God, I, I want to have a passion for you. I want to have a passion for the people you put around me. And I want it to overflow, that passion overflow and influence those around me. Wow, what a, that's the kind of church we want to be. That we are able to be a part of the transformation of this culture through the local church. That means through us. God has us placed here to make it a, a, a huge influence on people. So how do we do that? Galatians 2.20. Because it's not convenient. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What we're going to talk about in a few minutes, you're going to need this verse because it's not easy. Simple, it's just not easy. That I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so the life that I live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does that mean? In the gospel, we come to understand that death is the inescapable pathway to life. Death to ourselves and, 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 alive, and, and being alive to Jesus Christ. So in other words, the path to life is through death. You remember what Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself death to himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. So the key, the path to life really is through death. Okay, one other passage. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. Do nothing. Okay, stop there and circle the word nothing. It includes everything Thing we do in word or in deed or in thought. Do nothing, here we go, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only out, only out for your own interest, nothing else looking out for your own interest, but that shouldn't be all, but also to the interest of others. 
In fact, your attitude should be like that, the same as Jesus Christ. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So you have two options on how you're going to live your life. You have God ambition or selfish ambition. When it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, we have a couple options. Let me compare and contrast, and then we'll jump into our passage today. Godly ambition is initiated by God. Selfish ambition is initiated by self. Godly ambition is about advancing the kingdom of God. Selfish ambition is about building a personal empire or personal following. Godly ambition honors others. Selfish ambition competes and compares with others. Godly ambition longs to please God. Selfish ambition pleases others. Man, that one is a hard one for me. I can move from pastoring to pacifying if I'm not careful. Godly ambition longs to please God while selfish ambition wants to please everybody else around you. Godly ambition is about reaching and influencing those without Jesus. Selfish ambition is about increasing a personal number of followers. Two more. Godly ambition involves dying to self. Selfish ambition gratifies self. It's all about me. Godly ambition thinks of the next generation. Selfish ambition indulges this generation alone. And I'm so proud of our church that we keep saying, well, look, let's look at the next generation, those coming up. Let's reach the next generation and not just be about us. So Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but he says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Humility, you know, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. In fact, let's just say this. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. Let me, I'm no rocket scientist, but listen to this. Being present in people's lives requires inconvenience and sacrifice. What I'm about to share in the passage we're going to look at, it's going to require inconvenience and sacrifice. But as a follower of Jesus, we're saying it's more of him and less of me. In fact, Jesus, your attitude should be the same as of Jesus Christ. Jesus counted you and me as more significant than his own life. Wow. So why wouldn't we offer that to those around us? That we count others as more significant than our own. You see, a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you're growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it changes everything. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Whatever you do, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no aspect of our lives that gets sealed off or compartmentalized from Christ's presence and influence. That ought to be another prayer that you would take daily and say, God, may there not be any aspect of my life that gets sealed off or compartmentalized, being duplistic from Christ's presence and influence. God, may everything I do honor you. Sounds good, doesn't it? Simple, just not easy. 
So let's jump into our passage. If you haven't already figured it out, it's a doozy today. And I'd like for us to stand and read God's word together. It's found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and following. So let's all read together. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be paid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. This is God's word to us. Thank you, God, for your word. You may be seated. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Half Half the group here this morning loves that verse. Amen. <laughs> the word submit gets a bad rap these days. When you look at it in the Greek, the word means to voluntarily choose. That wives, you should voluntarily choose to yield to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord or as, as honors God. It's a voluntary thing that you choose. It's not putting, being pushed on you. It is not saying that he is greater than you. It's just simply saying in this relationship, in this marriage relationship, and by the way, I realize we have single people here. We're just covering the passage as it comes and... Uh, We'll get to your part later as well. But it says that the wife is to voluntarily choose to put the needs of her husband above her own. It is the opposite of self-assertion. It's a mutual desire to get less than one's due. Have the same attitude as of Jesus Christ who died and put put our needs above his own needs. So here's the question. What would it look like to be in a relationship with your mate in which, rather than each of you trying to get your own way, each of you made it a goal to get less than your due in order to serve the other's interests? Well, that's not fair, is it? But since when is fair being talked about by Jesus? Jesus laid down his life for us. That wasn't fair. He had no reason to die 
for his own sin because he hadn't sinned, and yet he takes our place and dies for us. It is this choice, and the husband will talk about you in just a moment, but it's this, it's this idea that the wife would simply put the needs of, take her lens off and put the lens of her husband on and say, how can I serve him in the way that matters to him? In this case, it is a non-military use. The word submit could be used in a military sense or in a non-military sense. In this case, it's used in a non-military sense. It was used as a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and to carry a burden as is fitting in the Lord. In other words, wives, you're to honor Christ. And so this is not, you do not submit to your husbands in, in just everything. If, 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 if he's asking or leading in a way that is uh, not Christ-honoring, well, obviously you want to live in an honoring way. You, a wife owes her ultimate allegiance to Jesus. But in this particular setting among us, at New Covey's, my guess is most of us have husbands and wives who are doing their best to seek Christ. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word love could have been used in three different ways. You're familiar with this. It could have been used in, as an eros way. It means to have your own pleasures met and need. Uh, phileo could be another word that could be used, brotherly kind of love. But God love is agape love, and it's, that's the word that, that Paul uses. Husbands, love your wives in a, in a God-honoring way. Do not be harsh with them. The word love is to choose to give another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least or at great personal cost. Husbands, take a screenshot of that. In fact, wives, take it for them. To love your wives, to give another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal cost. Simple, not easy. It's simple to understand. It's just so simple. Put their needs above my own. It's just not easy. They come back to Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. I'm a pretty selfish guy. And on my way home, I got about a 10 to 15 minute ride, drive home. Most days, not all. Most days I'm praying and saying, God, help me when I get home to be in a serving mindset. Help me to serve Karen's needs above my own. What I'd rather do is just go plop in a chair and sit back and have her wait on me. But instead, I, I come to this and saying, God, would you help me to love her as Christ loved the church? Can you imagine now when you put the two together, when the wife is putting the husband's needs above her own and the husband's putting her needs above her own, who doesn't want to stay married, right? Sign me up for another year. And he says, don't be harsh to produce a bitter taste in the stomach to exasperate your wife, to render angry, to irritate. Don't irritate your wife. The overarching attitude must be a sense of walking with God and putting other people first. Look at the triangle. God is at the top. 
self on one side, spouse on the other. Do you see that the more you move towards God, what happens? The more you move closer to each other. That's honoring to God. So as you're, the most important thing you can do in your relationship is to be growing in your walk with God. And when you're growing your walk with God, it's easier to serve your spouse. It just makes sense because you're constantly reading and allowing God's word to speak to you. Here's what Gary Thomas said. When we look at a picture of what a real man is, we see that genuine masculinity as defined by God does something life-changing in the people around us. It powerfully affects a man's wife, his children, and his friends. They become better people by just being with him. God, may that be true of us. That people being around you are better off. That you bring them heaven, you don't bring them hell. That you bring optimism and bring hope and, and, and charity to them. It's never too late to become that kind of a person. The husband's model is Christ who sacrificed his life. Gary Thomas, you, you have a love-hate relationship with him. Here's what he says. This is what we don't like. He says, the purpose of marriage is not make you happy, but make you holy. So I want to introduce you to, John, to Jack Eccles. He's a longtime Baptist minister with two doctor degrees. Even at the age of 93, he was learning German. Jerry, his wife of 70 years, is the mother of their nine children. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2015 and lived in a nursing home in North Carolina. On March 12, 2020, Dr. Eccles arrived as usual to spend much of the day with her. He was turned away because of the pandemic, coronavirus. So he returned the next day with a suitcase of clothes, books, medications, and his computer and the facility agreed to rent him a single room so he could care for his wife. He was there ever since, wearing a mask and gloves. He fed her three times a day, checked to make sure she got a required liquid that she needed, wiped drips from her mouth so it wouldn't stain her clothes. He positioned Jerry's head and neck carefully to be sure she didn't choke. Wall Street Journal finds out about it. They did a profile on him. And they asked him about, the, about his situation. Dr. Eccles explained his care for his wife simply. We're married. I want to be with her. She took care of me for 70 years. Now it's my turn. In the profile of the Wall Street Journal, it goes on to say, Men, if you married your woman not realizing that breast cancer or Alzheimer's was in her future, and you want to say to yourself, I didn't sign up for this. Consider how much joy you gave to your heavenly father-in-law when he could say on the day you got married, I'm so pleased that Julie or Catherine or Danielle, whatever her name is, is with a good man who will stay with her and care for her out of reverence for me. I know what's in her future. I'll give this man what he needs. I just wanted to take care of my little girl. Wow. Self-serving is based on things that constantly change. Your health, your beauty, your mutual enjoyment, circumstance-driven. But our spouse never quits being the child of God. 
Verse 20. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Forgive me for not sharing this verse on all in Sundays. The word obey means to listen attentively, to heed, or conform to a command or authority. And my favorite part of it is to hearken. If there are any children in here, hearken to your parents. Give attention to them and realize that when you obey them, you are honoring and pleasing God. Wow, what a, what a way to live. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. To embitter means to stir to anger, to excite, to anger, to provoke, to irritate, to incite, to stimulate, to action. And I, I think this is so powerful. It says, don't stir to anger, don't provoke your children, for they'll become discouraged. In the, Hebrew, the Greek word for, he, for discouraged means without heart or spirit, fierceness or passion, to be despondent, disturbed in mind, and lose courage. Oh, my, my our men treat our kids in an honoring way so that they don't become discouraged. Slaves, and when he speaks of slaves here, bond servants or slaves, it could basically correspond to our modern day understanding of an employee. So employees, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. What it means is the one who serves the will of another, they're dedicated to fulfill the agenda of another, not their own. It says, out of reverence for God. So everybody in this room, if you're employed or an employer, that you do your work as unto the Lord, honoring God. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Wow. That wherever we go, we're serving the Lord. That we do it as unto the Lord. Here's a prayer that I've been praying and for our church and, and for me. Make my life a living demonstration of your demeanor and attitude in both my words and actions. As I navigate where you call me to travel... Let me be effective in calling others to join me. Let my example be a salt and light to those around me. Let me be an encouragement to love you. So here's how I'd like for us to respond and uh, do what is comfortable for you. In a minute, I'm going to ask those of you who are married uh, or those of you who are with kids. And I want you as a family or as a couple to stand and I want, have some prayers I would like for you to consider praying. And you can pray them out loud. We'll give you time to pray that. It'll be up on the screen. Um, and if you can pray silently, God knows your heart. And then those of you who are by yourselves, are not married and don't have family, will you just pray for the people around you as you see them? So... 
let me give you a heads up on the first one and then the, the rest will make sense. For, for hu- husbands and fathers, I'm going to ask you to pray this out loud. Out of reverence for Christ, may I love my wife as Christ loved the church by laying down his life. May I be willing to lay down my life for her as well. May I serve my wife and my children, grandchildren in such a way that they see Jesus in me and follow him as their leader. It'll be up on the board. You can pray it. And so I'd like for you to, if you're with a spouse, if, you can, if you're able to stand, would you stand? If you have kids, I'd like for you to also uh, stand as well. And just you can kind of circle up. And then pray for those that are around you, if you're seated. Husbands, if you'll pray this prayer out loud. And wives, will you pray this? And children, will you pray this? And then those of us who are either employees or an employer, will we pray this? Father, may New Cub not just be about knowing you, but we, may we be about sharing your Christ-likeness with those around us. Father, this week is be so easy for us to be self-centered and to think only of ourselves. Father, the moment we begin to be self-centered and egomyopic, would you bring that to our minds? I said we confess that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.